0: he shoots he draws is sponsored by the westcott rapid box switch isn't it time you made the switch do it today at www.fjwescott.com backslash switch
1: welcome to the he shoots he draws podcast the show about photography and design with your hosts glenn dewis and dave clayton hello and welcome back to another edition of he shoots he draws now this is an odd one because for the first time in 75 76 episodes we've done now this is the first time i've ever done an intro on my own and it feels really weird um how people do podcasts when it's just them talking into the mic for an hour uh i I admire them because this feels very very odd uh glenn's a natural he can do this all day long but uh yeah i just wanted to say this week we've got an interview with a friend of mine Uh, it's a very design-led interview uh it's a guy called dustin lee from a company called retrosupply.co and what dustin does is he has an online shop where he sells retro resources brushes textures uh, all sorts of packs to help you recreate those sort of americana old style uh, print methods that we used to love or at least I love because I'm a big fan of retro design I love all things Americana and both of us got something in common we both collect a lot of old magazines and books and stickers and it's something that um, Aaron Draplin even did that uh, I've been inspired by and I love his collection and also we've both got a book called Junk Type by Bill Rose which uh, has inspired both of us so this interview is kind of part of a trilogy because Uh, we interviewed bill rose and i'll put the links to that in the show notes and there's also an interview with aaron draplin i did that i'm going to share as well Um, and this is kind of the third in that series of talking about all things retro design and so i really enjoyed it i mean i could talk to dustin for hours and in fact we did we spoke for three hours but we recorded one hour so uh, i'm not going to give too much away before we go into the interview I just want to say massive thank you for Westcott for supporting us again uh, they've supported us all through April and all through May and we're really looking forward to seeing them at Photoshop World in Orlando at the end of the month got both Glyn and I will be there so if you're coming along please come and say hello we've both got a couple of sessions on and we'll be out and about and I'm getting a couple of interviews while I'm actually out there so uh, more news about that soon but without going into it too much let's just crack on with the episode i'll let you listen to dustin um if you find any little treasures any little retro treasures i would love to see them so please find me on social media at it's dave clayton uh, or at he shoots he draws uh you can email us at podcast at he shoots he if you see anything i love all this stuff but i'm going to let dustin talk about it and we'll start in the usual manner dustin who are you
0: I am the owner of Retro Supply. You can find it at www.retrosupply.co and we sell products for Procreate, Photoshop, Illustrator and Affinity currently, um, but it seems like software is growing every day and um, we focus on, uh, on on retro and historical inspiration. But we tend to have a hodgepodge of stuff on our site, kind of like if you were to go junking. Um, We have a business plan, but it's fairly loose. We do what we like. So you'll find, (laughs) you know, if we happen to find um, certain textures we like, we might make brushes, we might make actions, we might make um, fonts inspired by different, you know, historical things we see. Um, But yeah, that's... That's the main business. It's for illustrators and designers that have a passion for retro, particularly um, American mid-century art. Which is what I, I think that's how I sort of discovered you and what you did, because
1: like I'm of an age where what's retro today was like new for me when I was a kid. You know, I, I was born in 65. So, all right, there's a lot of like 30s, 40s, 50s stuff that I, I've bypassed, but I've got things I'm my mum and dad owned. Um, not so much American, but because back then, you know, something from America was to be treasured because it was harder to get it. But that kind of design for me is—it's my style. It's the thing I'm drawn to. I can look at a ton of uh, like graphics on a like creative market, and as I'm skimming through, it'll be the, the the retro supply pack, which is I think where I sort of first discovered you was. It was seeing that retro pack, and it was like, oh, what's that? So you go and have a look, and you go down that rabbit hole, and I found your website. And at the time, I didn't know you. I signed up to your newsletter, and it's it's stuff that I love because you know we I know we to, to those who are listening. So Dustin and I actually only met for the first time last year, mm-hmm. um, but we've known each other for a couple of years now, and we've got mutual friends. But I you know I'm a customer of Dustin's. I I buy way too many things, but it's just you see a pack and you're like ah. Oh, that, I need that brush. I need that texture. I need that font. But as a graphic designer, I think what you actually supply to the industry is fantastic because I think you've set the standard for it. Oh, you man. Definitely that there, there are, you know, there are there, any industry, there's copycats, there's people who can do it almost as good. But I think you've definitely set a standard there. Was that something you set out to do?
0: Um, well, the, really, the business was an accident or maybe an act of desperation is a better way to describe (laughs) it. Um, So anyone looking to like find their style or find what their thing is in life that they want to do sometimes, you know, almost in a, in a Zen way, the best way to do is to not think. And for me, not thinking meant going through a crisis of sorts. So, um, I was a a broke graphic designer and I had a baby on the way and I needed money. And um, I was, Living at my grandmother's house while well, we were taking care of her because my grandfather passed away, and I was surrounded by all these things I grew up with. So, like you, I'm a I'm a child of the '80s. But yeah. as I was growing up, my grandmother always had in her game closet that I'd always be looking in and stuff, uh, things from the '40s, '50s, '60s. So I remember playing like the old version of Monopoly or the old version of Candyland yeah, yeah. or other random games and puzzle books and random things. And so those all felt very much like I didn't know that they were old. You know, when you're a kid, you don't know something's from the 50s and go, oh, that's very, very vintage. That's very mid-century. You just like use it. And you don't know that it wasn't <laughs> printed a week ago or, you know, or a, a month ago, a year ago. Um, so when I was there, it was like rediscovering my childhood. And I was working on a startup that was making zero money. And I needed to make some sort of little business, a little mini project to try to bring some money in. And... I didn't think. I literally just was surrounded by all this great retro stuff I loved, and it started by simply picking up. In fact, uh, people can't see it, but I wanted you to be able to see it, and I can describe it to the audience. There's these, I think they're they're steel wool balls. This started the entire thing. This was at my grandmother's house. It says Supreme Six Steel steel Wool Balls. Um, It's from, you can hear it here. I'll let you guys hear it since you can't see it um but it while you're holding it up i'll take a
1: screenshot of it um yeah let's just hold that up there so for those listening in england this is basically the 1940s 50s version of a brillo pad i think it's yep um so we have the same thing it's like still wall scouring pads um that's cool artwork though that's just so simple two like three colors four colors blue yellow red and black
0: yeah and, and you can see the registration errors um You can see, yeah, it's just three colors. You can see that on the steel wool, I mean, it was cut out by hand with an X-Acto knife and put over the top of the artwork when they made it. You can see these beautiful, you know, folds and cracks. This was literally from my grandmother's house. And it really, it it literally started by bringing this to the copy store that was around the corner from my uh, grandmother's house and scanning it because I couldn't afford a scanner myself and just going on a binge scanning stuff. And, and they thought I was crazy, you know, bringing a bunch of trash into the Kinkos or whatever <laughs> it is and scanning stuff. Um, but that became the very first pack, which was just called Retro Supply. It was a supply of retro stuff. And that did very well. It, other people wanted it too. And that branched out essentially like a tree. It started like a little bud, you know, a little but you yeah. out of the ground, and just grew into this tree, and there's all these branches going off into all sorts of different products. And, um, yeah. You get, like, what I call – it's like retrovision. Um, I used to call it
1: visual Tourette's. It, it's the – but I think it was the wrong, wrong phrase for it. It was just that it, where with Tourette's you get, like, those noises and ticks of – it was – the visual thing was – I c- I couldn't walk down a street without stopping and my head turning and looking at things I so I got like retrovision like uh, like yes. a f- pair of 1950s x-ray specs. I always imagine wearing them that as you're walking down the street only things over 50 years old would show through the lens. So you could <laughs> yes. like walk into a charity shop and instantly spot all the old things. And that's what I do now and I, and I I think after speaking to uh Bill Rose from Junk Type which was a book that John you time. and I both, yeah, and and that's just and he he actually came up with a phrase I rec- wish I could remember it off the top of my head, but basically he essentially said that he's kind of um, archiving this old stuff before it's lost mm-hmm. in the same way like I mean I only found the book because of Aaron Draplin and uh, you know Aaron's you know mutual friend of ours, he's famously said I like to keep those old things alive, and. And I do think you, your eye becomes trained. Like photographers talk about composition. I mean, we have like this retro composition. We're able to identify, walk into a store and even a colour scheme. that, Like that blue that you only get from the 1950s. As you walk in, that catches your eye. I think Billy Con- Billy Connolly once said it's... um." The, the feeling of spotting something like that is, even when you're driving down a country road late at night, if a rabbit runs across the road, you still see its tail. It's just there's there's always an identifying mark of something that even in even in the darkness you still see it. And I'm like that when I go into a charity shop or yeah, a thrift store. Is you've trained your eye to spot that font or that colour or that that the the crackling in something. I don't know if you. Do you do that you find yourself more like that now you've trained your eye to do it?
0: Oh, very very much so. And I I like anybody have very specific things that um trigger me for for lack of a better word. Here's one um I found in I think we had been talking. This is right after we had seen each other a couple of months ago. This one was in Salem, Massachusetts. So I'm I'm showing that this is a box and it just yep, says cowboy it. and horse. It's uh one of those old metal toys um that I believe back then they were made in Japan or Korea or somewhere like that and yeah um it just this kind of stuff triggers me if you it has these beautiful half tones it has a certain style of doing things and and remember this stuff was made not to look beautiful but it was made to sell to stand out to stand out and to sell to little kids it was meant for the box to go in the garbage and the company to make money and the kid to hopefully play with the little metal toy for a couple days and the owners to get rich or make, make makes a couple of dollars. Right. <laughs> and, and that's kind of what's beautiful about it because this stuff wasn't made to be art. And, um, what I find is even though I love this stuff, I don't, I'm not really a hoarder. I don't keep a ton of it. I do kind of like what Aaron Draplin one time said is he keeps it for a while, like fishing. And then he, um, he sets it free throws back it into back. the wild, throws it back. Yeah. Um, which is, which is kind of what I do. But what I find is things like this are, um, almost the closest thing that we have to, uh, to time machines in a way, you know, um, yes. Yes. So for instance, I see that camera behind uh, to, to your left, you have that beautiful like little toy. I think it's a toy Fisher price, red and white camera Yeah, made of plastic. And, um, I mean, you know, you touch those things. You, yeah. Viewfinder red yeah. Uh, this beautiful. You red find viewfinder. Uh, viewmaster. Yep. Viewmaster. Um, I think they have, yeah, you got a Polaroid one. You're doing quite well on these. Um, You should really share some of this stuff sometimes in some photos on the blog. I don't know if you guys have a blog for this or somewhere you could put it, but it'd be interesting for people to see. But I feel like it's therapeutic um, to have this kind of stuff. I feel like it's very easy to be caught up in things that are happening and things that we're worried about happening in the future. And for me, these things are almost like little avatars or like the top spinning in um, Inception yeah you know yeah. <laughs> you, you you look at it and it almost grounds you and brings you back to something and um, I don't know I like that about it it releases a little bit of dopamine into my system
1: yeah definitely I know um, we were talking off air beforehand and and I'd been into a charity shop and there were some magazines that were just to the just to the left as I walked in and as soon as I walked in my eyes spotted them and and picked them up and it's you know it's junk it's trash it's someone's thrown it out it doesn't mean anything anyone. it was a magazine at the time that you would like you spend your one dollar or whatever one shilling buy it read it learn how to put up a shelf and it goes in the trash and i love that that there is a generation of us that can appreciate the art of it and i, I say when i do when i do my uh, talking i do a class called get inspired by graphic design and the thing i talk about is not the fact that you know, it wasn't intended to be a piece of art. Nobody knew back then that one day their uh, their product, their cereal package or, you know, their their little boy on a horse would become something. I look at it more as somebody was commissioned to design that piece of artwork and they had to design it and make that packaging with no computers, all just, you know, the technology at the time, which was basically paint, ink, pen, paper, paper, um,
0: scissors you know, some form knives. of
1: yeah, yeah scissors exacto knives uh you know some screen printing but for the for the mass production of it as well is fascinates me that the fact that this stuff was created this these things were in someone's mind and there's these designers out there that are probably you know old or long gone that that were the herb Lubalin of the toy industry or or of the magazine cover industry these like nobody's that were tasked with making matchbook designs that you know to us now are incredible artists but back then they were just you know their job was sticking the heel on the shoe and putting it back on the on the belt it was it it wasn't today you know we hire the Aaron Draplins and the Von Glitchkas to to create this specific kind of artwork and they know the value of it they know that it's a a, you know it's not to say we didn't have we were talking earlier about house industry CSA design and um, you know herb blue th- all these great designers that we know but for every one of them there's a hundred who who created this stuff that we keep finding and that's what fascinates me that that this art existed without like you said they didn't know it was art
0: what's what's interesting about that is that i mean we're, we're still like on the we're still in the early stages of, well, I guess not in the early stages, we've ended the Industrial Revolution, but the Industrial Revolution, what only happened 150, 170 years ago, is when it really started, so you had mass production start. That was really the first time in history that we had mass production, so before we before we actually started recording, we were talking about how Glenn wanting to um, document all of these World War II heroes and, and whatnot, and really, this is the first time in our entire history as humans that we have these mass-produced objects that were not meant to stand the test of time, that no matter what we do for the most part um, are going to disintegrate and fade and be gone. And it's awesome. I mean, it's it should be documented. And yeah, I think that CSA Images, House Industries, um, do that amazingly. Retro Supply does it in the sense of finding things we find interesting and then trying to turn it into something that people can use in their illustration or their design work and know that it was, it started as something that got scanned in and then either carefully A against each other until we nailed it. Or sometimes we were able to get the original source material and make that work. But yeah, I think all that stuff is refreshing because I'm well, yeah, well, obviously what you lose with computers is that everything's just incredibly clean.
1: And also I think for being an English person, it's funny how it reverses. Like Americans find all the English stuff really fascinating and we can obviously go a lot further back. But I love America. I, from from a kid, and and I've said this to people, that somehow... My mum was a big influence of this and I don't think she realises and we can't pinpoint what it was other than, as a kid, I remember watching a lot of sci-fi and uh, like The Man From Uncle, Time Tunnel, uh, Land of the Giants Uh, and then we had our own British uh, shows like Thunderbirds, Captain Scarlet with like The Marionette, 1960s puppets Um, and I used to watch a lot of that as a kid. Bearing in mind, you know, in the 60s we had three channels. We didn't have you know all that so my memories of watching these programs uh they all had really rich colors uh, i remember used to get the uh we have a thing here i don't know if you have it over there is every christmas they bring like if you have a comic that that has so like land of the giants there used to be a comic and there was a comic strip of the story of land of the giants you could buy and at the end of the year christmas they bring out what they call an annual and it would be like a a compilation of stories from throughout the year or all brand new stories. And this time they're in a slightly thicker like book form. Okay. So at Christmas it was traditional to get an, at what's called an annual, which was a thick version of the comic that you'd been buying all year. And so I used to get those when I was little and, uh, and I'd have all this, all these graphics and these vivid colors and start, you know, I was a big Star Trek fan, Captain Kirk and, and the colors from that. I think that was for me what that's what started my appreciation of branding, probably for the better word of it and design, because art was my thing as a kid. So that was the thing that I used to make, you know, like man from uncle spy cards and, uh, you know, create just create artwork and cut things out as a child. All that stuff, even now, I still go back and look for. I still try and think of the things I owned back then and see if I can find them. And, you know, like eBay is that place to, to find that the like the crap you threw away. Like I can't go to a... Uh, we call them car boot sales. Uh, I think you call them uh, flea markets. Yeah. So I, I can't go because I know I'll end up coming back with a box full of stuff that I threw away years ago and I can't just keep keeping this stuff. What I love now as a designer is... You know i've got the luxury that i can occasionally spend you know a few a few quid here and there on on the odd thing but what retro supplies doing and what you're doing is you're enabling designers today to appreciate the past but create something new with it and i think that's a that's a skill in itself to not get people to recreate what came from the past it's to take elements from it create a new thing that still looks like the past
0: yeah absolutely um And, you know, there, as you know, and I presume anyone listening knows, you know, there's a whole subsection of illustrators and designers who just love this look and they specialize in this look uh, and are really serious about getting it right. So as an example, I have a really good friend named Brad Woodard, who is a co-owner of a small studio called Brave the Woods. He was a hero for years and we ended up making a product together called Space Ranger and then another one called Woodland Wonderland. And you notice we give them fun names like that, um, just like they would back in the, in the day. You know, we could have easily called it brush, retro supply brush pack or something. But yeah. <laughs> but we come up with themes. We'd even name the characters. But like, for instance, there's one called um, Woodland Wonderland. And we got a bunch of uh, little golden books. And we looked at how they did the brushwork and whatnot. And we went back and forth. I mean, probably for weeks. By the end of it, we were over it. Uh going back and forth, trying to nail these brushes. And then he would do, he did these amazing illustrations and they look just like little golden book, you know, from the 1950s, 1960s. And you can just nail that look with them. You don't have to, you could use them for all sorts of things. You could use them to kind of subtly, subconsciously add those little touches to your work, but they do feel like that. And, um, and we even, we made a jingle for it. We even, you know, we do it for fun. Yeah. We make, we make, we make, we make, Great products for it. We really tried hard. It sp- took a lot of time. But we also like made a jingle. So we got these characters in the Woodland Wonderland pack. There's all sorts of woodland creatures hanging out in the forest. And then we had them animated. And we had my friend Colin Warren write a uh, a jingle. Um, you've never heard a jingle advertising Photoshop brushes before, probably. It's worth checking out <laughs> yeah. because it's hilarious to see how this guy had to rhyme things like DPI, um, yeah, yeah. retro supply, <laughs> um <laughs> bad poetry it, yeah I'm, gonna, I'm
1: posting a link in the show notes for that as well because there's another couple you've done that i'm going to post as well because i think again it goes back to why i love why i've identified or like resonated with you is apart from your you which will come on to as a person but the fact that you just give it that little extra and and you'll put your hand up if something didn't work out or you know if you're really excited about something it comes across that you're genuinely excited um there's that just that element if you make it you make it fun you've almost got this magical way of making me part with my money for something i don't know i need yet (laughs) before before i need it (laughs) and because the way you put it together it's the pack that the pack I see it I instantly ju- just that cover image itself and you know for anyone listening who isn't a graphic designer I'm sure you've got a thing even like in photography there isn't there is something about photography that draws you to it but even you just see that little thumbnail that which is really important because that's the shop front that's the, the cover of the book is you've got to, you've got to capture what you've made in that image first with the title for somebody to go deeper the next level is go okay well what's in this pack and then when you show you know and I know and we will talk about it as well you spend a lot of hours putting this stuff together you don't just take something scan it and sell it I know that you put hundreds of hours into testing and making sure you do this but I think it's the little journey you take me on is I see the graphic I like the title catches me. It's not clickbait. It's just it tells me what it is. It's a fun element. I go step in. I see what's in it. Then I see what I can create with it. And then the next thing, before I know it, I've clicked submit and I've got an invoice come through and I've downloaded it <laughs> and I've gone, God bless yourself yeah he's a mastermind i i now have to buy because we got such a good friendship i now have to buy your stuff when you're asleep so that you don't see that i've bought it and then i don't get that refund thing come through so i, I wait till like three in the morning when you're deep sleep and not going to check your phone so by the time the morning comes through my purchase has gone through all the other hundreds that you've got
0: what's funny is i you know because so for you guys listening me and Dave, I don't know, we've known each other three years, maybe long enough to take a yeah. pic. Last time when we were at Creative South together, we took a picture together with mullets, um, long enough to take <laughs> mullet pictures together. Um, yeah. But I mean, I've known you so long and we've done things cooperatively so much that I'm happy to send you, you know, free stuff just because you you will talk it up and share it. And I always thought that I, I thought at first that you were just saying, oh, you know, I, I want to buy this. I want to support you. And know that. Well, I believe he does, but like also like he's my friend. I should just send him this stuff, you know, if he wants it, you know, he's helped me out so much, but you do, you sneak and buy it when I'm sleeping. <laughs> I've given you a refund a couple of times, but you literally, because you're in uh, the UK and I'm in the United States, yeah. you can be doing stuff when I'm still in my deep REM cycles. Sleep. You can buy stuff. So I do appreciate that. Um But I think it's good it's good
1: being a customer i've said this before to to yourself and to tom and to ian is just because we're friends um i I appreciate when you send me something and say oh you know can you check can you have a look at this or um no look i'll send you that but i like the fact that i buy them because they i've said this before on an episode it gives me value i know that if i've if i've purchased it our relationship as a friendship isn't relying on me getting free stuff. It's because you're a great guy and we get on and I, I love being in your company. It doesn't, you know, you could sell guitars for all I care. It's, <laughs> or burning guitars. Um, so that by me spending ten or fifteen dollars we're not talking big sums of money here but i know that when i've bought it i'm going to go through the process of downloading it and installing it in illustrator or put it in my brushes or my textures um you know we at astute graphics we look at a lot of your stuff because obviously where where the vector packs are we're looking at how we can encourage our customers to to be inspired by it but i know i'm going to use it and when i use it if i was to make money from it i know that it's all my doing. It, it's the same as if I walked, if I didn't know you and I wanted it, I'd have to buy it. So that way I've got the value for it. And, and I, I try and be more creative, whereas I've had things sent to me in the past. You know, I've always bought stuff off Tom from Design Cuts. I've bought packs and brushes off Ian. Um, my friendship doesn't depend on it. It's just I love the fact that I can talk to you about it. And we don't have that thing of, you know, I've given Dave like $300 worth of goods and, you know, I never want that feeling of somebody. And and it happens a lot in our industry. It's that whole thing of you, if you don't value it, you don't appreciate it. And I know you, you know, we're both parents. I think that counts as well. When you, when you're putting like, you know, both of us podcasting, it's, you know, probably one o'clock in the afternoon, you've got three kids, um, you know, I've had to put my little one to bed. The other one's playing cricket. We have commitments, so the time we spend on this stuff we do is really precious, and that to me carries a massive value because it—that's sh- what we're do. we're doing it to make a living. We're doing what we do to make a living. So, I I say to anyone out there, if you've got a supply, if there's somewhere that where you like their things, just buy them. They're not going to be that expensive, but you'll appreciate it and you'll use it more as well. And you're more likely to share it on social media and, you know, talk about it because you've got value for it.
0: I think that's a really wise way to look at it because I think the thing is, is that it's easy to go to a site like Retro Supply and you go look and see the products and then you say to yourself, well, I don't know if I'll ever, I don't know if I'll ever use this for anything. For instance, we sell halftone packs or crosshatching packs. Will you ever use a crosshatching pack? You know, I think a lot of people ask that and they're not sure. Will you ever do that? I don't. I don't, I don't know. I know for sure that the chances diminish greatly if you just find something like that for free. But I think when you invest a small amount, I mean, we're talking $15. I, I think anyone that's a working designer or illustrator can make that money back in the time they'll save off, for instance, the cross-hatching pack. But you're right. By making that small investment, it plants a little seed in your brain that I should open this and try it. And next thing you know, it's like you, you know, you're going back to being a kid again. And it's like your little lab. You're trying different things out. You're finding new approaches to doing things. And and I'm not just blowing smoke by saying that, yeah, I want people to buy our products because that's how I stay in business and pay my bills. But you're right. Buying something like does something psychologically to us that makes us follow through on trying things and experimenting as opposed to just having things given to us.
1: Yeah absolutely and what's good about you and we won't go down a marketing rabbit (laughs) rabbit hole but i do love i do love the marketing side of it is the experience with you i love as well is i I sign up to your email and i encourage people if you're listening to sign up to dustin's email because firstly he's got a bunch of free stuff on there that you would should absolutely pay for it's a really good bundle of like nine packs uh fonts and brushes and textures so that alone in in it's really good yeah that's exactly yeah. yeah yeah <laughs> um so so then when you buy a product straight away you've got if you buy two products you get a third one free so that already kind of you you're gonna find two products you definitely want and you're absolutely gonna find a third so you're getting a third one free but then what I love is you get an email confirming the purchase then you get an email saying hope you're enjoying the new pack you bought here's a webinar we did recently about it or here's a video that we made a tutorial showing how to make a a, a toy from Uh, mr products was one recently you just did Um, oh by the way for the next 72 hours he's 30% off if you want to buy anything else in the store Um, and it's just this little kind of relationship that you have as a customer that I think a lot of people miss is it's not just about sell it and run it's the it's maintaining the interest so today I was looking through one of yours which was how I picked up on the Mr. Products. I've got that book on my shelf. Me too. Which is no surprise to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah okay. There's an element of um, you. Ha- th- this is this is always a sticking point for me with things. Is I see these beautiful things. I see these beautiful packs. I see these resources. But if you can't draw for crap, <laughs> all of those things aren't going to make you draw better. You've got to have an element of a style or the or a kind of artwork that you can already do that you can apply an effect a style to what you can already do so buying the brushes isn't isn't going to make you any better an illustrator more than buying a nice pencil more than buying a nice camera um, you've still got to sort of know what you want to design to know how that pack's going to help but what I love is the fact that the way it works for me you know it's my relationship with it is it encourages me to try things more so i famously said on another episode and i know we've spoken to it when i came and met you in portland we both went to the apple store for me to buy an ipad so that i could get the pencil so that i could get procreate so that i could buy more brushes from you Man, so yeah. i've been buying the so procreate there, yeah. packs from you now and now i'm learning procreate i'm, I'm trying to d- go back to drawing more things i grab you know i grab a pack or something and i sit in the living room with my pencil and I try and just recreate. It's just that muscle memory to get back into illustration that I used to do that I haven't done for fun for quite some time. So because I love retro, because I know there's you know, I know like from the astute side, we've got the half tones and the stipples and the texturino. But when you're just sat with an iPad and you know you want those brushes and those textures um, to try something that's the thing I love that that kind of thing has made me creative and Bill's book junk type made me start to look at palettes color palettes and a a while ago one of the first things I brought a few you did like a weekly subscription thing where you bought a mid-century pack every week over a period of four weeks right and it had all these color swatches now all they were were colors you know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm paying you for colors that were existed, <laughs> but you yes. cleverly
0: did that mind trick thing where you. Put I'm not them even together giving you and- paint. It's just literally <laughs> like the you know CMYK hex values. I mean, they're put together yeah. from real old things that we've purchased, and then it actually take, that took a disproportionately large amount of time compared to other products. But yeah, well, and um, if you don't mind, also I'll go back to this this marketing thing. I think that how I think of it differently is a lot of people. There's more people doing similar to what I do now. They tend to think of it as an overarching business, much like a designer would if they were to do the branding for a business, right? So all the packs, everything fits together and feels very much like it's just all in that same category. If you go to our site, it feels much more like going to a going junking or going to an antique store or a flea market in the sense that we might one... You know, we, we worked with um, one one illustrator that we love um, in Arizona, and she did these illustrations using, uh, made, made a pack called Cross Country Cross Hatchers. And they look like, um, inspired by travel map illustrations from, I don't know, the 70s. I don't even know. I, it might be a fictional era in her mind. It has a yeah, very yeah. retro vibe to it. And then we might, um, okay, perfect example. I'm going to show another thing, right? I'm holding up for Dave here. I bought this. It's called Paley's Supply Co. It's this very old, um, let you guys hear it. It's this very old 1950s 1950s war surplus catalog. And it just has the most amazing um, illustrations in it from the era. I was just looking on eBay and I just found this. Um, A lot of the pages have been torn out. You can see I've bookmarked pages. I've scanned pages. Yeah. Right? And that just became... hold that up
1: again. Just let me get a picture of the cover. Yeah, you better. I just
0: bet. want to grab a screen grab. Uh, that's it. Wow. So, um, so with that, there happened to be a guy in there where they just did the most beautiful halftones. You know, because real halftones aren't perfect circles, they're kind of weird um, ellipsis type strange shapes, and they have a certain rhythm to them that makes them look truly old. And so we captured those, and you know we scanned them in, and then we recreated them, and we made a pack called Vector Tone, and we made it so you, it was indistinguishable from the artwork inside of that book. So it seems like marketing, and it, that is marketing, because what we did is we said, "Hey, we made this from a nineteen, you know, fifties war surplus catalog." It's a fascinating headline. It's a fa- fascinating story. It's interesting when people hear that you spent you know a hundred or two hundred dollars on this book that people would throw in the garbage. Oh, was that? Was that the book? Was that the eBay purchase that you had to battle for? No, that's not the battle one. Um, Ah. There was another one I battled for. That was an old medical book that was this thick that became quite brutal. I think this one was a battle too, but not as bad. But I mean, in itself, people say, what kind of lunatic would spend $100 on this piece of garbage? And then when you show it to them and you show, and then what kind of lunatic would spend 40 hours scanning in halftones and turning those into brushes to copy the look of a catalog, it sounds you go, insane, this guy. right? <laughs> so I mean, it is marketing, but the marketing is baked in in the sense that um, we're not saying how could we market this. I feel like good products have the marketing baked in in the sense that they're interesting anyways. Um, I'll give you one more example. We made a pack called Photocopy Hate Machine, and you'll notice you'll, that. you'll notice from the names yeah. we we do, we do names we think are fun. We try to have fun, and when we did that, I actually put my phone and had the camera on and i and i hit it and i went into photocopy stores i've never released the video i should and um eventually i found one where he had this old photocopy machine and i said i i just want to make horrible terrible photocopy textures and he you know thought I was, he was like what are you what on earth are you talking you know about you could tell he thought i was an idiot like that was just going to give him yeah. money he's like wow this guy's wasting money like on this I literally almost bought that. He's like, we're throwing this thing in the garbage like in a couple days. He's like, if you want it, you can have it. I almost took home this old crappy photocopy machine into my garage because I wanted to start to wreck it inside and make the the scan, the copies as I did that. But I knew if I brought a photocopy machine home, my wife was going to kill me. Um, (laughs) So I didn't do it. So I just stayed in that place and I just made a bunch of copies. I mean, for uh, probably an hour or two. And Suzanne, who works for me and lives in Alabama, she went to her her, her local place and did the same thing. Um, it was madness. But again, you have a fantastic story. And it's not because you're trying to trick people into buying something, it's because you made something real neat. I mean, we videotaped ourselves going in and just destroying these copy machines. I mean, I had to tell the guys, like, can you come over and help me really ruin the settings on this? You know, like, I was like, I was like, I was like, I know you have it dialed in to try to do the best it can, but can you really make it mess up? And, um, And, and yeah, I think that's what makes a, um, I mean, I think that's why the marketing is good and that's how we're, we're different. We randomly choose things we find interesting. There's not a gigantic master plan to make everything fit perfectly together. It's a place where you can go on the internet and be surprised if you're a designer by random, interesting, fun things that are all different that were done because we thought they were interesting, not because we thought we could make a buck really fast off of it. Although we we do want to make money. We're trying to make as much money as we can but not at the expense of having fun and making something that's super inspiring or fun or interesting or useful to people.
1: Oh yeah, you could make you could make a ton of money selling watercolour textures, you know, because they're ten a penny. <laughs> right. But you, ta- you, sa- you you saying that story about the photocopier, right? So I ended up buying that pack. And, and I don't, if, if you are listening, I don't mean this to sound like a sales pitch, but I want to talk about what Dustin makes because it's interest. And I want to give a real life story examples of how this stuff's interesting is i had to make some uh, tutorials for kelby one for photoshop world and i actually purchased that pack that very pack because i was making a punk rock style retro poster with half tone in photoshop um got an old image from uh, adobe stock and like wrecked it uh, and then use the photocopier texture to. In fact, I used a couple to with a gradient to blend it so that it looked really rough and ready. And and how to then screw up a bit of paper and then put that on, and so you get the wrinkles. But years ago, uh, back in the nineties, I actually worked for a print company in a place called Hemel Hempstead, and just photocopiers were out and it was at the dawn of color photocopiers as well so they used to have these little uh, photocopiers that the lid used to slide from left to right <laughs> yes. and then the copy would come out so we, we were forever you know But I- my job was to get spare parts for all of our satellite offices for people who are repairing photocopiers all day long so what i know about photocopiers is scary uh, <laughs> but we used to trash a lot of them and this guy used to come along and with his truck and they used to go in the back and he used to go and take all the the drums used to have an element in them that they could get something out of I can't remember I think it was silver or something like that so I was tasked with taking this photocopy out over to this site um and it was this old thing it was a 3310 Toshiba I remember it as clear as anything and it made the, the just the shittiest Copies, which is why it was thrown out. The drum was knackered, the rollers were knackered, the toner cartridge was knackered, but it made these really great bad photocopies. And I used to make stuff for my brother's band. So I like the fact that I could print out these blank sheets of paper and then use Letra Set and, you know, cut something out, stick it on, and then run it through the photocopier again because it was working. So I carried this box over and because i knew i wanted it i'd made sure my car was parked round the back as well and i walked i, I walked back very, with crafty. An empty, very crafty man yeah I, I walked with an empty box to this building to put it outside pretending it had the heaviest photocopier it you just try try carrying an empty box and pretending it's full of the heaviest <laughs> thing you could just about carry and this photocopier came home with me and you know I just used it and used it and used it and it was in my loft for years and eventually I got rid of it. But it was for that very thing. It was because I knew I could design stuff. I knew I could create copies. And obviously before computers, I was cutting and pasting. I was running stuff back through. But I had so much fun. I had so much fun with that.
0: Well, and I mean, man, I really think, you know, if you can get your hands on a photocopier like that, If you, you know, if you, if you do want to go onto eBay and find, you know, like one of those, you know, getting a bidding war for one of these old catalogs, (laughs) do it. It's real fun. If you have the time to spend, you know, to, to make the brushes or to do it on your own, that's a really cool way to do it. The thing is like, you know, we, we all, we have, I mean, me and you both have kids, you know, we have different various more stuff to do than we have time to do it. And so it, it's a way that someone else did the work of extracting those things for you. If you enjoy doing it, man, yes. how fun. I mean, when you were telling me about that copy machine, yeah, by all means, go put that in your loft and do that. Don't buy photocopy hate machine and do it because <laughs> sitting around in your loft with a crappy copy machine and making zines is a good way to spend your yeah. life, in my opinion. Um, but if you can't, I mean, it's a really fun way to um, to enjoy it is by using you know products where someone has invested the time and doing it right because like a lot of people will say, well, we have a survey. So after someone makes a purchase, there's a download button. As soon as they purchase, right? You can immediately download your your purchase. Then we send them an email and there's a link to buy it. But right below that, there's a little piece of text and it says, want a free t-shirt? Answer this one question survey, right? Yeah. And the reason we do that, and you can only get to that little link if you buy something, is that we have one question. The question is, what's the last thing that stopped you from buying? And the reason we ask that is because we want to try to eliminate whatever that last thing is so we get more people to buy. And something that comes up a lot is people say exactly what me and you just discussed. I just don't know how I'm going to use that. Uh, you know, I love it. I'm drawn to it. I had an urge to buy it. And I almost didn't because I wasn't sure how I, could, I would. And um, I remember Charles Anderson from CSA Images doing a talk at Creative South, and he said, I don't think any of us got into the design business because we said to ourselves, boy, I really hope I get to spend my days kerning one day. And, (laughs) (laughs) right, we got into it because we like drawing. We like putting things together and making art, whether that was collages or painting or drawing. And so um, if you can't afford to every so often spend $15 and buy a pack like that or go on eBay and buy some sort of interesting thing and have no idea how you're going to use it but have fun, man, aren't we off the path a little bit like isn't shouldn't there always be time to to muck around and do stuff like that you know what i'm saying yeah, i mean f- photographers do it with cameras they go and
1: buy old cameras my um in fact my I, I i need to speak to you about this but my my father-in-law sadly passed away last year and he was uh he was a collector he i've been going through his stuff that um my mother-in-law's been clearing out his bits and pieces he's got old tickets and just an incredible collection of things. But he collected cameras. Mm-hmm. And he had like four storage boxes full of retro cameras that he never used. Mm-hmm. He was never going to use. He just liked the aesthetic of them. He liked owning them. And I knew they were going to go to auction. They, I, I know um, my mother-in-law didn't want to keep them. And they were taking up room in the house. So I said, could I have them for a little while? Because I want to photograph. I want to try a project. I want to tr- try making something with them before they're lost so I brought them all home I set them all up in a specific way I bought a little light box to put them in I photographed them from a specific angle because I knew I wanted to create something fun with them because they have that aesthetic because there's the way they were designed Um, I want to make a little pack I want to like do a little half tone turn them into black and white then apply half tone with the you know the plugins and everything just see if I can make something interesting but it's fu- it's taking those things and making something else with it that is makes me want to do it so now photographers are trying to recreate that old style of photography they'll want to be Ansel Adams if they're you know they've got these you know $5,000 cameras and they want to make their pictures look like a guy that had a camera the size of a car <laughs> that that had to go in a room and make, you know, put chemicals through it. So we, we still, to this day, even the designers, we're taking very expensive equipment to make something look like it was made in the back of a shed, <laughs> you know, in the dark.
0: I mean, it's the same as, you know, how you have those um, toy cameras. I mean, there's, there's Photoshop actions and light, uh, Lightroom filters that are solely there, I mean, apps even, that are solely made to emulate toy cameras that cost... Um, that the actions or the filters cost more than the actual toy camera did, even adjusting for inflation um, to create those effects. And you know it was a lot more fun with the toy camera, but um, you do what you can do. It's hard to buy that, find the toy camera, then find the film for it and get someone that will develop it for you. But that's what I like about you. I like that you document that stuff. I like that you keep it all. Um, I don't know how many of you have seen Dave's um, like little lab here, but he's got, I mean, you got, toy cameras you've got cameras from the 60s and 70s i know you've told me a story that i can never forget so i recently was lucky enough that i got to go um see aaron draplin's um workshop which you've been oh, to yes and i remember yeah. you telling me the story how you had seen him talking and seeing all these books behind him and you like paused the video so you could just see all these books because you're like what are all these books you know because you know the guy's got some amazing books that you probably want right i'm a book i'm a yeah i'm a book geek like you and, um, yeah, I just – I appreciate the fact that you do that because I'm the same way. You can see you have so many interesting books. Um, yeah, you've really made it into, like, your own little lab that you and en- you can tell you enjoy being in. That's a great
1: – I love that. I've never thought of my office as, like, a, l- a retro laboratory.
0: <laughs> it it looks like it. I mean, it's, it looks like you yeah. could take anything off the shelf and you could start doing something with it.
1: Yeah, there are – I mean, it was the other day uh, I was around my mum's
0: and she said um, – I was telling
1: her about Field Notes, bizarrely, and, uh, and a lot of people who, who um, buy Field Notes are into Blackwing Palomino pencils, like these $30 <laughs> pencils that I could never justify. And my mum goes, oh, your dad had some pencils once. Um, <laughs> he was, it went back, at, like, back at, before I was born, he was working... At this place that was some old architect or, or something like that that was from even older back and she said oh yeah and he got he's, the, he's got a box of pencils somewhere i'll see if i can find them and straight away i'm in my head i'm going yeah cool mum you yeah, know if you do find them give me a shout in my head i'm going oh you'd better find them woman yeah. <laughs> so so the next time i went over i yeah i was like oh mum did you find those pencils at all and, and inside i'm going you please 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 she goes oh yeah they were in a drawer and there's like these royal sovereign pencils oh. um and what's amazing is famous over a hundred years right so straight away you see that and think oh they're obviously retro pencils mm-hmm. it's a re it's a reproduction set so i looked up the history and realized famous over a hundred years was in 1940 oh, they were they matter? were already a hundred years old in 1940 and these pencils are from 1940 and i opened them up and uh i know no one can see them but there's like the type there but these pencils haven't even been sharpened they're still they're, they're still like original out the box and somebody said oh yeah dave they're definitely original because they're lead <laughs> and they don't make lead pencils anymore oh they're and, literal
0: lead yeah
1: they are lead pencils oh, i mean they're not they're not completely lead lead but i know nowadays it's more graphite and a, a special kind of graphite but Back then, there was um, there was somebody something in this that you, you wouldn't be able to buy them again today. I've never used them, but I'll never get rid of them. But I just love the packaging. I love the you know the the detail that went into it, and these other bits and pieces. You know, my poor kids are probably gonna you know when I'm long gone, they're gonna be oh man, we got cleared dad's crap out, and and what saddens me is. We, we spoke earlier and it's a question i'm going to ask next is obviously as each year goes by this stuff becomes more valuable it is older as we're speaking it's getting older and that's the beauty of, of of this is you know in 10 years time it's already 10 years older but if my kids don't appreciate what it is what scares me is this stuff will end up in a skip this stuff will be I'll just take it down the charity shop, just take it in the tip. And I know it's putting it back out there. But when you've like curated, it's like it's it's like a clearance company going into a museum and just going, I'll just put those old bones in the back of the car. You know, and it's a it's a Tyrannosaurus Rex. That's how I feel about my stuff. So I've got to make a decision in the next, well, 20 years is what do I do with this stuff? What? what can i do with this to to keep it valuable to someone else you know these the, the books are worth something but unless my youngest daughter who's showing artistic talent unless she's got an interest in in like picking up the laboratory <laughs> and putting the coat on you know this stuff that we've got i don't i it scares me to think when you see these house clearances which is where i go i used to go a lot to house clearances and i used to pick up photo albums it always made me sad that I'd go to a house clearance which was basically a dead person's sale someone's gone in and there's a box of stuff and I have picked up some real treasures like the original 1980s Ghostbusters car with all the figures and I got it for like eight dollars and it's grubby and it it looks old but I I always look for the boxes of photo albums because I'm fascinated by I've got two or three boxes of these albums of family photographs of holidays from the nineteen twenties, thirties, weddings, the Queen's coronation. You know, a photograph in the street of some cars going by. That stuff fasc- fascinates me because that's that's real history. It's not a, a product that was made. It was someone's actual history that ended up being in a box that was in a house clearance that some random stranger now owns. Yes, that. It's the it's the beauty of collecting, but it's the sadness of for, for what you know for what end. So yeah. the fact the fact that we can turn it into digital now, I think for what like what you've done is some of this stuff like Aaron does. He scans a lot of it and he turns them into photographs and he keeps the photograph and puts the thing back out in the world. I'm gonna have to make a decision one day. What do I do with all this? Mm-hmm. But it's I tell you what, it's cool having it. It, absolutely i'm i'm amazed for those who because who, you can't see this dustin's room he's basically got a guitar behind him and four four images on the wall of which two i think are draplin maybe mm-hmm. three i rotate them no,
0: two two are draplin one's alan peters and one's um brad Woodard from brave the woods but i kind of rotate right. them you know because you get so many from conferences posters you love yeah um, Though the one from Draplin is not because of Draplin, it's a Georgia poster that he just Aaron Draplin happened to make. It's because of my love for Georgia because that's where you know I've met great friends like you at Creative South. So, um, yeah, he doesn't really get credit for the reason that's on the wall, although he does get credit for the lines Georgia. one. Yeah, I mean, I love it. Aaron Draplin's great and it's a great poster, but it's there for uh, what would you call sentimental reasons? Yeah, my attachment to Georgia. Um, and then I have, of course, uh, I have a shelf here but really in the garage is where I keep all the stuff there's a whole section where we have a desk and um shelves and it's just full of all sorts of old old stuff it looks uh similar to yours although I have more of mine in boxes but
1: yeah I'm lucky that I've got an office that I can shut the door it's like when we moved into this house my wife got a room to do her sewing and I got a room for my for my things I mean I've got at my mum's house she's got a garage um and I've got more boxes than i care to admit of more stuff over there because when i used to come to america i used to take home all the sunday papers uh all the inserts so i i've got sunday papers from the 1990s but what's cool about it is they're gonna go but inside in like the I used to buy the sunday paper because it was the thickest thing but inside are all the old toy catalogs from Sears and Macy's and that have got all these old toys from back then that I'll that'll be that'll be the one thing I keep is because it's 90s branding which brings me on to my question I said I was going to ask you at the beginning is we've been talking about the stuff of old that we love now but let's take let's freeze you uh, cryogenically freeze you and, awa- and wake you up in 50 60 years time what do you think today is going to be is going to be qualified as retro. Is, there, is I know it's a tough question to put you on the spot, but what do you think from today will last? Because like you've already said about stuff's biodegradable, it's meant to not
0: last. Right, it'll all be dust, it, like we'll all be dust. Yeah, yeah. we'll all we'll be Thanos exactly <laughs> snapping it all to. <laughs> and same with computers, right? I mean, just imagine if all the computers were gone or something happened where a virus or some sort of blackout um, or brownout, something crazy happened, right? I mean... Everything would be gone. I mean, yeah. So it's interesting. Um, but when you talk about what stuff do I think would be old, do you mean like stuff from literally this year or stuff in the, yeah. past, in the past 20 years? What, what what from the past 10,
1: 10 or 15 years? Um, let's go back to 2000. What do you think from 2000 onwards would would be of interest to our you know, us as designers, in sixty years' time, when they're looking back and got like, in the year twenty sixty, when they're all on hoverboards and going to the moon, going to the moon for a holiday, which is what I thought in sixty five, where we'd be in twenty nineteen, um, we'd all be we'd have robots as butlers, <laughs> but I is as I cut, aside from like the iPod, um, aside from physical devices, I guess the Apple packaging would be a good one, um. But yeah, I think it's it because we, we said things were so beautifully made back then and now it's so mass produced is nothing's as rare as it used to be. So will there be more crap around in 50, 60 years? Or will, will certain, you know, what design, I always, always think what designers will be, you know, I think Aaron Draplin will definitely carry forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like what crafted items will be? will people look at in 60 years and the way we look at house industries or Paul Rand or Herb Lubalin? that fascinates me because you know, we are a digital world.
0: Right. Well, I'll tell you what I, I think, uh, but uh, what, what, what I think will stick around, but I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, I think a lot of people forget is not, I don't, I don't think you or I probably forget this, but I think it's easy to forget is a lot of people when you say retro or vintage, um, people tend to think, Oh, well, that's a trend. It, you know retro stuff is a trend. But you have to remember, I mean, here, for instance, in the United States, we have something called um, Antiques Roadshow. Yeah, we and, have it as well. Okay. Yeah. So, so you're aware. So people for people that don't know, people will get into big long lines in different cities and they'll bring old stuff they have. And then some expert will look at it and tell them what it's worth. A lot of times when someone looks at it, they'll say, as it turns out, this is a reproduction. Um, So it might be a a reproduction from 1910 of something that existed in 1840, right? Retro retro isn't going away. Retro stuff and a love of retro stuff isn't going away because people always want things from the good old days because things always seem better 50 or 60 years ago, right? I mean, I I look at sub-pop records, you know, um, which was largely responsible for grunge in the 1990s. I still have some of those sub-pop records catalogs from the 1990s. Um, Those aren't that old yet. But those are something very special and valuable. And I think people are going to want those for decades and decades, you know, 100 years from now. People will find it fascinating to see a zines or sub-pop record catalogs that were mail order, that were sent through the mail before you could order online. I think even things like a Nokia phone, you know, those, those old round Nokia phones where you could, where you could interchange the covers, I mean, those look like space-age devices. Now, when you look at them, they look like they almost would never have truly existed. Um, and then I think when you get anything that's wrapped around a cultural icon, it has a higher likelihood of um, maintaining a retro feel. So who was a cultural icon of the 2000s? You might say like... Um, gosh, it's hard to tell because the 2000s isn't that, that long ago, but let's just say um, Katy Perry. Katy Perry has a certain tackiness about her. Um There's a certain like super set, you know, sugary pop feel about her that makes you want to throw up a little bit. Um, But because of that, all the packaging is just overly gaudy in the way that it's all done. And I feel like that kind of thing, um, whether it be a poster or whether it be promotional, um, you know, CD slips or things like that, or whether it be concert tickets or shirts, I think all that kind of stuff is going to maintain value. Um, I think CDs are going to maintain value.
1: Yeah, I think artwork, record artwork. I mean, I've still got under my desk here, I've got the best part of, I don't know, hundreds of albums that that i'd kept from years ago and what's funny now is vinyl's making a comeback so where i've got these like i've got the white album and i've got the beatles white album and i've got the four original photographs that came with it and the poster that came with it but the white album's been reproduced again in you know last year as a as a new version you know um mastered and everything and it's funny that that edition in 50 60 years will be uh a, a retro vinyl but it's not it's a reproduction of a retro vinyl so you're right I think there's a lot of things that that they because they still keep coming around that the reproduction of it is still going to be the retro version of it in 50 years time
0: or think about um I know it's very, even for me it's hard to imagine but imagine Pokemon in 50 years <laughs> right now Pokemon is is something I, I have no interest in um although I, I see Same the appeal- I see the appeal of it, but it's just, I didn't grow up with that. It hasn't, it doesn't have that nostalgia to me. But can you imagine how interesting little Pokemon characters or Pokemon cards would be in 60 years when the people that are using them now are 80 years old and their kids are starting to see those, their grandchildren are starting to see those same things? I mean, I think Pokemons will stick around. My daughters are into these things called, um, things called Shopkins. They're most, they're the most, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Evil consumer items ever made. They're literally designed to train children to consume. Um, And they're called Shopkins. And I can just picture in 50 or 60 years, people looking at them, you know, their little shopping carts, little canned food items. I can picture people just coveting the idea of having collections of these things that were made out of plastic back in the days when everything was made in China. Because I don't think yeah. in 60 or 70 years we're going to say that. We're going to say things used to all be made in China. Everything was made of plastic and it came from China. And I don't know, maybe then it will be made from God knows what. You know, it's hard. It's very hard to see when you're in the midst of it.
1: I know. I do love that thing. I, I, I don't know if I've said this on an episode or not, but it was a f- it was a meme that I saw. And it's just my favorite thing. Is There's, there's a meme of a, 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 a man and a woman laying in bed and they're facing away from each other. And she's got a thought bubble that's going... I wonder. I wonder if he's thinking about. Uh, I wonder if he's thinking about our anniversary next week, and he's on the other side of the bed thinking. So hang on. If dinosaurs died and went into the ground, and the fossils make oil, <laughs> and oil makes plastic, then plastic dinosaurs are made of dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> and it just thought it's so funny how <laughs> that, sto- that that thing of what goes you know it comes back round again but um oh yeah i could talk about this stuff for ages with, with you um there was another question i was going to ask you that is completely gone because we were chatting about something else but so as, as retro supply going forward then um we will t- i will mention the other things that you do because we deliberately didn't want to talk about it which was your, the passive income because this is your business this is what you do and you also do podcasting what of the new things that have come from retro supply have you found yourself enjoying? Because, you know, there's a lot of podcasts you've been on and I know you've spoken a lot about elements of your world. Is there anything that Retro Supply has brought you that makes you a different person five years on from when you first were doing it? Is there there a new thing that's been introduced to you that you enjoy the most, like being front-facing, being the face? Because back in the day, you weren't even the face of Retro Supply, whereas now you are Dustin Lee. Mm Mm-hmm of retro supply so what's retro supply bought you as a person that, that's changed what you do it sounds very deep but
0: it does, i know yeah. i've
1: I, i've changed in 10 years what i was doing 10 10 years ago when i was at 39 um i wasn't anything to do with kelby one i was just going about my business i had a day job i enjoyed a bit of, bit of this and a bit of that but getting involved in something that i kind of hung my hat on has changed my personality over the last you know well 13 years now but I've only I like, only met Glyn nine years ago that's when I started with Kelby One in 2010 20, 2009 it's my 10th year with them my life has changed massively I'm doing things now that I never thought I would ever do you know I'm standing up and speaking in front of people I'm
0: being interviewed on podcasts i'm writing for magazines i never ever thought i'd do any of that so i feel like even when i met you like you you were just starting to and i felt like it's kind of like um ho- what do they call it? hockey sticked up in a way and yeah you keep doing more and more very fast yeah
1: so you what have what's been brought to your table from that what you've done that you've noticed wow i never thought i'd do that
0: yeah well uh, i'd start with like what um i've like literally fell backwards into that has made all the difference. And that is, I think we all know deep down inside what we should be doing. So I made Retro Supply when I was under a lot of pressure. I didn't care anymore what designers thought. I didn't care about packaging it the right way. I cared about making money and trying to provide for my family. And by default, I just started doing the things I found interesting, which happened to be creating all this you know, historical things. I, so it, it, it's almost like it, it turned off the um, part of my mind that made me um, self-edit myself. And um, I find the same thing with drawing. As I try to become like more of an artist, I notice that underneath it all, when I can turn off that editing feature in myself, I actually know what I want to do. It's just not the exact thing that I feel like I should do. And when we can turn off that part of our mind that tells us what we should or should not do, um, I think we feel better. Or we're more pleased. But anyways, so it's brought in. It's brought on a lot of opportunities for me. Um, one of the biggest has just been that the amount of work you do has very little correlation to the amount of money or success you, you have. Yeah. Um, I found that, I mean, I worked for a bank. I tried to rise up in a bank for years. I couldn't do it. And then, you know, within three months, scanning textures and digging up old retro stuff, you know, I was making 10,000 and 20,000 and then we will probably hit a million dollars this year in sales. Wow. Um, it's not harder than it was at the bank. In fact, it's easier by far than it was at the bank to make them to make the money and it's more enjoyable and it's more rewarding. So um, those are the emotional things. The real things have been I have more time with my kids. I can see my kids whenever I want. In fact, they just pulled up from being from being out Um I get to be on podcasts like this. I'm on the honest designers podcast where I've gotten to be in front of more people. I get to go talk in front of audiences at conferences where people pay me to talk. They fly me out there. They pay for my hotel room. They invite me to dinners where they pay for the food. Um, And really all that stuff just kind of makes you feel like special and important. I mean, that's the truth of it. Um, So it's giving,
1: it's giving you time really, isn't it? It's, that's the, oh, I've always had a day job. So that's always the security for me is, you know, I, i might. that's why one of the things I admire you is because you under pressure, you took that leap of faith and it's paid off. And it's great to see that, that just showing that that can work. You can, not you know, you're, you would never have earned a million dollars at a bank. Uh, you would have seen a million dollars go in front of you. In the oh, bank, I saw a million dollars.
0: Never got to, ha- yeah. got to touch it. It wasn't mine though.
1: All right. So, the fact that you are on podcast, you are more front facing. I've definitely seen a change in you be- become from like from behind the shop counter and come out to the front, um, and you know be on podcast, doing the Honest Designers, doing the passive income for designers. Uh, speaking, I've seen you speak at Creative South. For for me as a friend, it's great to see those opportunities coming to you. You know, um, potentials for for other things as well. I think I think it's more to come from you in what you're doing in the opportunities that will come because I think you will end up stepping um like stepping forward again and being somebody that uh that is an inspiration speaker you know where you get up on stage and told your story I think as now more people start to know who you are who retro supply are I think you're going to take another step forward and kind of have a separate thing I think people are going to want you to talk in the same way like you look at Aaron Draplin. Is Aaron Draplin was a graphic designer? He's a graphic designer that then wrote a book. Then he went on the road talking about the book. Then he went on the road talking about the tour that he did about writing the book. He's still making money. He's still running a business. He's still profitable, but he's
0: actually making more money from talking about what he's done and what well, he my, did. My mom saw him. I showed her a video of him, and she thought he was a stand-up comic really
1: <laughs> so it's not to say you are going to be Aaron Draplin but I do think as retro supply grows I'm interested to see what it does for you as a as a person because I think you you are already a personality in the graphic design world I think more people have started to know who you are I watch people come up I love watching people at conferences and I see the behavior of other people around you and around our friends that you see them standing, waiting, like this. Dustin from Retro Supply, I want to go and talk to him. And and they kind of find their moment and they come up and they want to meet you and talk to you. And I think that's a really important thing for creatives to actually be able to walk up and talk to the people that they're inspired by. Um, you know, and I appreciate the time that we, you know, every time we have a conversation, it, it's been two, three hours um yeah we, can we chat talk, about that stuff all day long yeah <laughs> but we have we, we've we both got a love of marketing as well and we love that whole statistical side but just to wrap this up because i know your kids have come home um thank you for your time uh and, and i'm absolutely certain we're going to have you on again because there's so many more other things i want to talk to you about uh but for now uh retrosupply.co is where people can buy your your goods um, see more about you absolutely sign up to dustin's email because even if you don't buy anything the content you get in there is really fun and it'll make you buy something anyway so that the work's already done there
0: <laughs> and two we have people like um i mean the people that i consider to be my designer illustration heroes they, they do a lot of free webinars free training free parts of products i mean yeah, it's awesome. Sign up for it. It really is. You get to, you get to see some neat stuff that otherwise I, I might not promote through ads or something like that. So for yeah, sure, go sign yeah. up for it.
1: Um, if people want to know a bit more about your passive design, passive income for designers, uh, that's exactly what the website is: passiveincomefordesigners.com. Passive com. And that's- there's a podcast that goes with that. So if you want to find out a bit more about Dustin's marketing strategies and the backstory of of you know having a, a basically a passive income business where something's bringing you money overnight go and look at that if you see an event dustin's going to be at go to it and and i know definitely in years to come we're going to be seeing more coming from you anyway i think there's a book out there's a book in you as well i so, hope so um,
0: um do, i'll add one more because it should really be mentioned um if you i'm on a on a podcast called the honest designer show with ian bernard who's a fantastic lettering artist um, yeah Tom, Tom Ross who's an amazing businessman designer um, and the owner of Design Cuts and Lisa Glanz who is an amazing illustrator and then somehow they made a mistake and put me into the show too so I get to be a <laughs> part of it too but you can go check that out at designcuts.com forward slash honest dash designers and um, it has uh, it's a great podcast you get to hear four perspectives from people that are both designers creatives and entrepreneurs and um, all talking about their own unique perspectives on how that works. I love the podcast. I, I
1: say to Tom that it's one of the, a good podcast to me is one that makes me feel I wish I was part of the conversation because there's times I've listened to it on when it comes out on the Wednesday and I'm driving into Astute Graphics, I've got an hour and a half. So I can easily clear an hour or just over an hour episode. And I'm sitting there listening to it and each week it's I'm, I'm joining in i'm starting to go yes exactly <laughs> and then realize i'm not involved in a four-way phone conversation i'm actually listening to a podcast but it, it's got I, i'd recommend people listen to that because the four of you are mostly on all the time and some of the stories that i've picked up from you have just been so funny as well and, and the four of you make a really good team so yeah check out the Honest Designers podcast. Um, I'll put I'll put a bunch of links in the show notes as well so people can go and click and find you and um spend some money with Dustin. You won't regret it. And go and, and also, you know, if you do buy anything, share it. Let him know what you're creating because it's good for Dustin to see how people are using this stuff, and you know, I trust me, it will make you go and buy an iPad. <laughs> that that, should, <laughs> that should be one of those things on a website. Dustin's packs are so good. I went out, you know, the old Remington was it the Remington shaver? I was so impressed by the company I, I bought it. Yeah. Or I was so impressed by the shaver I bought the company. I'm like, I was so impressed by a $20 pack, I spent $400 on an iPad. But no, seriously, go and follow Dustin check him out there's loads of other podcasts out there just type his name in on itunes there's some great interviews that has been done where he talks more about the, the passive income side and uh his story which is really interesting as well um there's a lot more information about dustin you should know and i encourage you to go and listen to it so thank you very much for your time mate i really do appreciate i
0: love chatting to you um, wow. My pleasure. You know, you know, I would be talking to you whether we were recording it or not. So I appreciate you having me on, Dave. Yeah, no. And um, so we'll have you back
1: soon. But um, yeah, thanks for your time, Dustin. I'll speak to you soon.
0: All right. Thanks a lot.